0: Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 57 in our teaching series, as in the days of Noah, titled The Church of Sardis, Part Two. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Uh, today, we'll, as last week, we were speaking about how to be watchful and to watch for the second coming of Christ. And that's where we'll pick up today where we left off uh, last week. It says in Matthew 24, 37, as in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I've used this verse. Also, the scripture that we used last week and the scripture we will use this week is the verses right after this in Matthew chapter 24 and in Matthew chapter 25. And this is where... uh, the Lord starts giving these parables of a householder, ten virgins. and But those parables are right after he gives this statement here. It's in Matthew 24 and verses 36. I'm going to back up just a little bit from there. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were caught, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and you not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That's the whole context of this verse here uh, that we're using. And so we're going to get into this understanding of these parables as we look at this uh, church of Sardis and we're trying to observe and go to the Word of God to see how we behave in this day and hour that we're in because the scriptures give us such a panoramic view of this day that we're in. It's just so amazing. Now, Sardis, as we're into this church, it was seen as the dead church, and Jesus describes a, situ- a situation as spiritual deadness, a lack of energy and enthusiasm, is the church. In other words, it, tar- it starts taking on this form. Here's the scripture quickly. Uh, and unto the angel of the church of Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thou works, and thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. He goes on to say in verse 2, be watchful. Now, that's where we're picking up today. He gives him instructions to the, Sardis, the church at Sardis. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch... So the comparison here is in those that watch and those that do not watch. I will come as a thief on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I come. Now he's the as we're looking into this church of Sardis, and we're looking at the time of, as in the days of Noah, this first thing that's given to us in these days is watchfulness. Watch, therefore, and look. Watch and see what's coming. Watchfulness is important. The watchfulness is such a sign of his coming. It's, it's, it seem, it, that'll just go right over us if we're not careful. It'll just go right over us. So we're watching a lot of things today. We're watching the news We're watching what goes on in the world around us. We're watching all of the devastation. We're watching the sin. We're watching all of these things. But perhaps we need to be careful in our watching and let our preeminent watching, if you will, be looking for His coming. Now, it's not hard to watch and say what's the enemy, because the enemy is getting more blatant all the time. <laughs> Has anybody noticed that? I'm, I'm just in shock and awe at how uh, blatant the enemy is. And as the enemy increases, it will capture our seeing if we're not careful. And the enemy is trying to capture the prophetic scene. Now, prophetic scene is not being real good at predicting or giving a progress report on how well the enemy is implementing his plan. That's not the prophetic scene from God. The prophetic scene from God is we see all the evil that's going on. The prophetic scene is seeing what God's doing behind the scenes on behalf of all the evil that we see is going on. So that, cre- that behooves us to understand that we're watching. To see what the enemy's doing is a temporal Um, mindset, to see what God's doing is an eternal mindset. There's a difference. Uh, And as Christians and as a prophetic people, we want to be or like to cast ourselves as being able to read the temporal better than the next person. If you can predict the future, it's still temporal. Temporal. Can you hear what I'm saying? To tell the will of God is eternal. And so the enemy is trying to get the prophetic voices wrapped up in the temporal so that they do not watch and look for the eternal. Now, keep that in mind as we move forward. So he's saying to watch, therefore watch. This church lost its watching. He says, watch, therefore, in Matthew, verse 44, he says, therefore, you must be ready. And in chapter 25, which is right after this verse, as I was saying, he says, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So we've got all these watchings. Jesus says it's in the days of Noah. Then he gives these parables that we're going over when we're going to finish up so we can see here that it's about being watchful. The word is watch. These three parables tells us what it means to watch. These three parables, and this again, this is right after Jesus says, "As in the days of Noah, he says you're going to be in the days of Noah, which we know we are." The next set of instructions is therefore watch. He gives us parables on how to watch. In the first parable here, these three different approaches in these three different parables. The first parable is the householder, which we started last week. We'll try to finish this morning. Hopefully we can start in the ten virgins. The parable of the ten maidens for the ten virgins is next. And then the parable of the talents. All three parables are to empower one word that Jesus gave to his disciples. Jesus gave one word to his disciples. He said to them, watch I'm sure you're getting tired of hearing me saying that word, watch. And you should be getting tired of it. But get a big, deep breath, you're going to hear some more. Because it's important that we get down in us this position of watching. I know everyone's wanting life to get back to what we used to call normal. But I don't I hate to break it to you. I'm going to use my best English. It ain't happening. Normal, that old normal that we had in one time, we got to enjoy. I'm glad I got to live in it. But, uh, yep, she's gone. It's not normal again in the sense of what we used to like. But I can tell you this. God's new normal is better than our old one. God's new normal can be and is better than our old normal. So it behooves us to not try to to go back, but to go on with God. How do we do that? We do it through this type of watching. It is the one command Jesus gives to those that are waiting. The reasons we're given these parables is the reasons If we do not understand the parables, we will not watch the way he tells us to. There again, this is not the way we want to. This is the way he tells us to. And we started the first parable last week on how we're to watch. It was about a householder, and we're going to get into that. For if we do not watch, what will happen? We'll be deceived. In other words, if we're just on idle... I'm not going to do the church scene now. I'm going to pull back from God a little bit. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to study. I'm not going to read his word. I'm going to idle. I'm just going to run on idle a little bit. The only thing I can tell you idle is not a watchful position. We're going to look at that just a little more. The key of Matthew 24 and 25, which is right after our opening verse, is that the age between the time, the Lord said, these words and the time... He would come again is an age of deceit. In other words, uh, Matthew 24 and 25 is what I call the time in between the time. This is the time that when the Lord leaves and the Lord returns. There's a gap there. This gap, which we're living in, is the age of deceit. Now, Matthew 24, verses 45 and 46 says this. Who then is a faithful and wise servant who his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall so find, so doing. Now, for the beginning of this teaching, you'll have to go back to last week's if you want to see that, and it is online, but we're picking up on the end of this teaching uh, at the beginning of our service today. So here he's talking about this wise servant. Here is a household whose master is away, and the household is waiting for him to return. So Jesus says, okay, I want you to watch. I'm gonna give you a parable of what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be like a householder that's away. And then there's people in the house that are to take on certain activities. The master has appointed certain servants and given them responsibility during the time of his absence. So everyone in here, if you're a follower of Christ, you have responsibilities. Everybody is a householder to some house. I will use this as the pastor in this church house. What is our pastor, according to this parable, to be doing during this waiting time? He is to be feeding us, the church, the word of God. Now, this is the first parable. Jesus says, in this time that you can be deceived, the first thing I want you to do is to watch like this householder. There again, everybody is a servant to some household. In this church scene, congregational scene, our pastor Can be obedient to the Word of God if he stands up here and feeds this household the Word of God. Now you can say, I want a more charismatic pastor, I want a prettier pastor, I want a pastor who can sing. Better than ours does. I'm having way too much fun. I will stop here. You can say all of these things about a pastor. For him, he will one day stand before God with the position that he's in. And there's a there's many pastors can wonder, am I doing the right thing? Well, I don't know that I... I don't, but everybody's doing this or that one's doing that. Every pastor hears these voices. And so I know our pastor will hear those voices. According to this parable, for him to behave correctly in this in-between time, he is to be found guilty of feeding the household food. That's what the book says. Just go on, keep this in mind. The only activity mentioned in that of feeding of the household, here it is. Who then is a faithful and wise servant who his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions." If our pastor will concentrate on feeding this flock the word of God, if he'll not yield to the voices, well, pastor, you need to sing a solo. Or pastor, you need to raise the dead. Or pastor, you need to do If he'll not yield to all these voices, and if he'll yield only to the spirit and feed the flock, there again, this... Scripture is very important to instruct us. What do we do during these times? This flock will go astray if this pastor doesn't do this parable. That's what it says. Now, the first thing to do while watching, these servants have the task of feeding the household at the proper time. Watching means to feed and to be fed by the word of God. That's what in this parable, we're to watch, to be obedient unto watching. The first parable says you're to feed, feed yourself and feed each other the word of God. Now there again, you can say, Alan, what's that got to do with watching? If you don't have the word of God in you, you can't see what you need to be watching for. Can you hear me? This is just not... The Lord's just not trying to give us biblical homework. There again, understand this first parable of him feeding us and us being healthy with the word of God. What this does, it trains and teaches our eyes. Did you know that Jesus came to Israel as their Messiah and they missed him? We get into the parable of the ten virgins. It looks like those that aren't watching miss the marriage supper. Right. Now we've got the doctrines of once saved, always saved. We've got the doctrine of losing your salvation. I'm not here to teach you a doctrine. I'm here to teach you the word of God. The Word of God has a way to make you wonder about all doctrines. Now, I'll get hung for that statement right there. But, it's true. but it is true. It is true. The Word of God is in such a way... It looks you'll not lose your salvation in another way. If you don't endure to the end, you'll not have your salvation. The word of God has all of these different approaches. I'm here to tell you at 70 years old, there are some things I am figuring out about God. The first and foremost one is he's not going to let me figure him out. He is not. His word is perfect and pure but I cannot even use it to run him into a cul-de-sac. He will escape his own word and use the word when he's doing it. Can somebody hear what I'm trying to say? Our only hope is to grab the hem of his garment and hang on. If you want to try to run God into a cul-de-sac because you got all your verses ready and in a row, I'll talk with you and give you some God... Gave to show you a dirt path out by the right corner of the cul-de-sac. God will not allow us. In all of His truths, it's the only word I've ever seen. I've never seen a book like it. I've told you it's it's like a setup. I don't know if anybody's ever seen a set of woods of pine trees that's actually been set by man, where they make long leaf pines. What's your buddies down in Georgia? Uh, what's your name? Pine straw. Pine. Clint. Clint, yeah. Clint when their last name is? Williams. Williams, Clint Williams. He has a pine straw business, a huge business, <laughs> where, you know, you put pine straw around your yard. And, but the, but they, you'll plant these trees in a row, and, and uh, then you can, you can look a row down that way and you work a row down that way. I use this example from time to time. And the reason they're done like that is so that you can take a little rake down the center of these trees, and you can make a windrow, and you can rake the pine needles. You take a little tiny baler, and you go through, and you bale it. But you can look down that way, and they're in the straight line. You can look down that way, and they're in the straight line. You can look down that way, and they're in the straight line. Beatenest thing you've ever seen. Point being, I don't care which end you start at, which side you start at, you can always find an opening from one end to the other. I give to you God's pine trees. It's a truth. You can do predestination. You can run that thing right down the center of them trees. Right there it goes. I listened to John MacArthur this week. He's certain on it. Charismatics. Grab another set of trees. Yeah, it's clear from one end to the other. I can see it. A straight line, Word of God. And Zoom, a Methodist will go right across your path and you'll say, well, What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Beat this thing I ever seen. You can ask me, Alan, what are you? I'm a lover of God. Stamp me with what you will. You better hurry because it'll change next week. (laughs) The word of God's true and it's perfect. And I'll be son of a gun. It'll work with a lot of different arguments. So it's got to be that the argument's not the deal. It must be something about a person. A person. His name is Jesus. And it just so happens he says, I can know him. Through his spirit. His spirit? Are you kidding me? How in the world do I get off on this? Mm. Watching means to feed and to be fed by the word of God. The household must eat or they can do nothing. If the household does not eat, they will not survive and they will perish according to this parable. The household can do nothing else until they have established their health and strength by eating. So what prepares us to watch and to see, listen, if you have a preconceived idea of what you're watching for, you're going to miss this particular watching because no one knows when he's coming and what it's going to look like. We just know it's in the clouds. That's all we know. So we take the Word of God. The Word of God, as we're being taught, is creating, if you will, a program within this spirit of man. The Word of God is creating this thing. And when the Lord returns... By the power of the Spirit, it's not your intellect and your brain that's going to accumulate all of this teaching that's went on into your spiritual heart. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that draws and connects all of these verses that you can't connect, and all of a sudden it's going to give you a scene, so you're going to know what you're seeing is Jesus Himself. Yeah. You're going to have a knowing And that knowing is going to be because there's enough of this book in your heart that the Holy Spirit can assimilate, give you a spiritual perspective of what you're seeing as God. That's what he's saying. So this is the word of truth is the food. Peter tells us to desire the sincere milk of the word, that we may grow thereby. Paul mentions the strong meat of the word, of course, in Hebrews. We see that the Bible study is then not an option to a Christian. If you're not reading your Bible daily, it's not optional to not. Did you know when we get to the ten virgins, there's five virgins got oil, five that don't. Did you know that some people under the sound of my voice right now are five virgins with no oil? I know that 50% of the household of God's going to be without all at that day. I say, I know the parable appears to show us that is a possibility. It is a revelation of the way things are in life and death, as well as the world of ideas, thoughts, social life of man. It touches everything. There's two kinds of servants, faithful and faithless in this parable. Two types, those that are faithful and those that are faithless. Now, remember, there's one thing to be faithful. Faithless means that you're a servant with no faith. Faithless doesn't mean you're not the servant. It just means you're a servant with no faith. The faithful are those who feed continually the household. If you have to have miracle after miracle... To sustain your faith, you don't have enough of the Word of God within you. I'll say that again. If you've got to go from miracle to miracle, if you've got to go from visitation to visitation to sustain your faith, there's not enough of the Word of God within you. I'm not saying that's not fine and not good and not well. But we are supposed to be able to be out in the desert and our faith not move in the desert of life, and it not move. It's because the Word of God is what sustains us. Not the miracles. I mean, though they're nice, what if you never see another miracle? What if you never see another miracle? Will you still have the same faith? We all love to see them. But the question is, In this parable is the word of God. When the master returns, Jesus says, blessed is that servant when his master comes and finds him doing what he was told to do. In this case, which is feed food, the spiritual food. How important is it that the servant is doing it? He will set him over all his possessions. To feed someone else from the word of God is to learn how to live yourself. I just cannot elaborate on that. You become master of the secrets of life. And as our pastor in this congregation, as he masters the word, as he learns how to live the word of God himself, then he can have true spiritual food to impart to us. Are you with me? When the Lord returns, He will give you an opportunity to rule with Him in realms of power beyond your belief. There you go, Pastor. You didn't ask for it. You didn't know He was going to get more work. Like, like my son says about me, he says, when Daddy's talking, it just means more work. When Jesus is talking, this just means more work. The Word of God is full of hints like this of what the future is like for those who learn how to live down here. The scripture gives us all kinds of hints of this. All of this is hidden in his words. He will set him over all his possessions. And boy, that's a teaching within itself. Now, here we go. Let's do what about the faithless. I want to get into the ten virgins if possible here. This is the one who fails to feed the household of God. All right, here we go. The Lord tells us what happens. It's in Matthew 24, 48 through 51. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunken, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will punish him and will put him with the hypocrites. uh, These men will weep and gnash their teeth. Now, I saw a, a video yesterday of a pastor of a, a large church in New York, had worship, you'd think it was in our church, had worship, and the pastor was teaching uh, everything except what was the word of God. To to use a world's terminology, which I actually do not like to even use, he was as woke as you could get. He was he was trying and was being very successful to make it any type and all types of sin acceptable behavior and to prove how Jesus died for all of your behaviors and it it just went on and he went on I of course turned it off but there is such out there and you can that's an extreme but also we have many today that are lesser than that and I don't think I have to tell this crowd who that is you you already know he cannot control the household and begins to beat them. He suffers in his own person a moral breakdown. Now, the same goes for those that allows any type of behavior. It's two extremes. One is you allow all types of behavior, and the other is you use the word of God with a religious spirit, and you beat the congregation with it. One is as bad as the other. Watch this parable. He indulges his own appetites, to extremes, eats and drinks with the drunken. Now, that's what this parable is about. It's about the two extremes. One allows anything that goes. The other one is a religious spirit, right? Yet all of a sudden, you're going to legislate. In other words, you start beating the people. When the master returns, he finds the man failing in his primary call, and he is condemned and set to a place of frustration. The importance of feeding the word is the issue of this parable. That's the important. So, how do we act? What do we do? Church of Sardis, they had no resemblance of anything that the Holy Spirit was with them. They did good works. They had no power. What was the problem? They quit teaching the Word of God. Matthew 24, 45 says this, "'Who then is the faithful and wise servant?' whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Pastor, I declare to you, never stop teaching and feeding us the word of God. If the enemy comes to you, and he will, as he does other pastors, and say, oh, you're not doing a good job of this is that, this is you're not, if you're teaching the word of God line upon line, you're being obedient to this household. Can I hear an amen? Okay. Now watch this. Let's get into the ten virgins quickly. Now as we get into this one, what to do while watching and waiting? We're given the second example of these ten virgins. The parable of the ten virgins is next in calling us to be watchful. Matthew 24, 3. And he said, Upon the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, what shall these things be? When will these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? This is a question that was asked. This was still in Matthew 24. Does anybody see Matthew 24? This is what the disciples asked Jesus. This was their question right before he said, as in the days of Noah. What's, how, what, how will we know? It's in the the days of Noah. Then he goes into these three examples of these parables. So the the disciples said, how will we know the sign of your coming? As in the days of Noah. And he said, by the way, here's a householder. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Then there's these 10 virgins. The kingdom, it's going to look like this. So these parables are a response to the disciples. Them asking the big question. How will we know that we're on the edge of your coming? That was the question that was asked. Matthew 25, 13. He says, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. That was the verse right after he said, as in the days of Noah. He goes on to say, watch therefore, know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. You won't know the day or the hour. That doesn't mean you lay down everything and quit on the idea. You don't know the day or the hour, but you watch. Everybody wants to know the day. Well, if I ain't got the day or hour, I'm not going to play. He says, no, you won't know the day or the hour, but watch. So to watch is just as important as the day and the hour. Does anybody see that? I hope you're getting it. You see, to watch has been diminished in the spirit world to God's people. The watching, the position, the spiritual position of watching has been diminished. It has no meaning. So therefore, I'm having to say it over and over and over and over, trying to bring back to the spirit man how important the watching is. Watching is more important than knowing the day and the hour. If the day and hour had been more important, he'd have given it. But the watching is what is important for us to do. There's a reason. The day and the hour When we get to it, it is then too late to watch. We think that the goal is the day and the hour. When we don't understand the spiritual goal is the watching. There's a work to be done here during the watching. There's a work to be done. There's an outpouring of the spirit. There's loss to be saved during the watching. We watch for his coming. Watching gives you an attitude. I don't have enough time to do all I want to do. Gives us this feeling. But the flesh in all of us is saying, oh, I want everything to get back to normal. I don't want to be excited about his coming. I want to settle back into normalcy and watch a football game, which I never did like. Can anybody hear what the word of God says? It's not me. It's the Word of God. Watch it. It's Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. With these ten virgins, Jesus is saying here, all right, disciples, gives you this parable, I'm telling you truth. He says, I'm telling you truth of what it will look like as in the days of Noah. Jesus taught in this parable to be personally prepared for his return. Now, this preparation for his return is a big deal. Let me tell you something. To prepare for the return of Christ is bigger than preparing to die. Preparing to die is all about you. Prepare for the second coming of Christ is all about the lost in the world. Now, watch it. Being prepared for that day is the act of being taught, which in turn is being displayed as being filled with oil. Now people say, oh, I want more of the oil of God. I want, we got to understand the first parallel was householder. Now he goes into this oil thing. Anybody connecting dots here? This all, you can't miss this connection. This all is being taught about a person called the Holy Spirit. Now, watch it as we move forward. Each person must have an adequate supply of oil, which is sufficient to meet the challenges of life while waiting and watching. First parable's household. You got to feed food. Second parable is about virgins. You got to receive all. Three different stories, same truth. Prophetically, look at the scriptures, same truth. Not different truth, same truth. So we see how can you get your lamp full? By hearing and receiving truth. Oh, okay. Sounds like to me that the Word is a person. Come on, somebody. The Word is a person. The Word is the Holy Spirit. The Word is the all. Oh, my goodness. I can't read all this in one day. That means I can't meet all of Jesus in one day. You say, well, Al, I thought I got all of Jesus when I got saved. There's one thing to get it and there's another one to know it. We can get him and not know him. I want to get into that in these 10 versions. You got to see in the spirit, the householders, the word of God. You got to see the oil in the lamp. The oil is a Holy Spirit, yes, but the oil is the Word. It's being poured in. Why does the ten virgins, five virgins say, no, you go get your own oil? Everybody's got to eat for themselves. It's the way it works. I can't eat for you. You can't eat for me. Because understanding in the eating, I hear people, people, Alan, I want the baptism of the Spirit. And this last two weeks, I had uh, one guy come to me and say, Alan, I know you don't have the gift of tongues. I want to pray for you. I said, bring her on. He prayed and prayed and got upset with me because I wouldn't make my mouth move. I'm just being honest with you. I wouldn't make my mouth move. I said, well, listen, it's one of two things we just found out. Either I don't know how to receive the gift of tongues or you ain't got it to give. Which one you want to go with? I'm open. I'm good. I shouldn't have told you all that. The all people want more of the baptism of the spirit and I'm all for it and do I believe we can have lay hands on do I believe uh, and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that, and, and I do. There's a long form, there's short form. Long form is the Word of God and poured in, no money back guarantee. I can't guarantee if I lay hands on you if you'll get it, but I can guarantee if you read the Word of God and get it poured in that you got it. Can somebody hear what I'm saying? If you want a baptism of the Spirit, don't wait on somebody. Let the Word of God pour into your life daily and all the time. And you are being baptized in a person. His name's Jesus. And Jesus has a spirit about him, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And you'll be baptized daily as you read his word. Wait around on somebody to pop you with it. <laughs> if I could pop you with it, I would. I'm so help me, I would. I'd pop us all, and I'd hit me first. And I've prayed for many and laid my hands on them or at them. I don't touch people when I pray, and they receive a gift of tongues. And I don't get that no more than I can fly backwards. That's what I'm saying. God will take any doctrine that I've ever had and shoot holes in it. And I'll argue with God with it, and He'll use me in it against my own argument. So I give up. I just give up. But I am telling you this, according to these parables, you can have a filling of the Holy Spirit, of God, of Jesus himself, if you'll let the word of God be poured into your life. That I can promise you by this book. Can somebody hear me? All right, let's move on. Jesus said that no one would know his hour of return. You can see why. If Jesus is coming now, we wake up and he's here. This baptism that is speaking about in these three parables, you can't get right quick. It's a pouring in of his word over time. That all can't be given to another. I can't give you my Bible study time. It's not mine to give. It's it's not in a form that I can give it to you. It wasn't that the five virgins wouldn't give. They couldn't give. Can somebody hear the desperation of the word of God? Now watch it. In this parable, the bridegroom was late in his arrival, so late that all ten bridesmaids fell asleep as they waited. So we can honestly say, It appears he's late for his own wedding. (laughs) And as a church and a congregation, as a people, do not fall asleep. Do not grow weary in waiting. Because this waiting is a time of watching. And in this watching, there's things that can happen while we're watching that can't happen after he comes. When he comes, it's too late for the watching. The watching time is an incredible time. It is the time that you'll be able to experience the Holy Ghost working through you, the time of watching. If he's here, when he comes, the day and the hour, the watching ceases. So therefore, he doesn't even give us the day or the hour because it's not the main point of the Bible verse. It's the watching. So what does a watching contain? It gets me excited. What is in this watching? Well, I discover I am in the watching. I am the watching. I am the watcher. You're a watcher? I'm a watcher. Because I'm Watching. What makes you a watcher? Watch. Because you watch. I want not know how deep y'all want to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lord, I shall move ahead. Wow. When I started up here this morning, There was such a spiritual battle, I couldn't hardly think. It was hard for me to put two sentences together. I know y'all, I hope you can hear. I'm not playing with you. I'm telling you the truth. The spiritual confusion was at such a height, it was like I couldn't find the Holy Spirit, and I knew it was some sort of a spiritual battle. Now, it appears to me it's lifted. It's one reason I kept hammering on the one, the baptism of the person, Jesus. The more I hammered that thing, the clearer it got. So I just want us, this house to be aware. I'm not trying to be, create some type of an alarm. But I will say this. First time I've ever stood in this pulpit and felt that. I have felt it in a third world country before. I'll be honest with you, I have. But I felt it this morning. Scared me just a little bit. Not scared enough to run, but it concerned me. So I want us as a house to be aware because it's possible. That the Lord is in this place and the enemy is wanting to come against it. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time you've given us this morning. Lord God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has cast away the enemy that would come against your word and your people. We declare by the word of God that this is a safe zone for the people of God, that you are in this place. And Lord, whatever was trying to come against my thoughts and my spirit, I thank you for removing that. I ask and pray, oh God, that that spirit would not come on anybody in this congregation or those watching online. I pray, oh God, that uh, that would be cast away from this place. It's something of another country. We cast it down in a way. And I ask and pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit, we'd have an open heaven above this place, that the hearts of your people might be filled with your presence. Lord, I pray that today that this people could be baptized in your spirit, would have a pouring in to our hearts of the person Jesus Christ. You could say, well, Lord, we know we have Jesus in our hearts. I pray, oh God, that we would have a greater revelation of the spirit of Jesus that's in our hearts. Let us be more in touch with you, oh God. We ask and pray, O oh God, that you would fly this spiritual airplane this morning. Let us be passengers upon your spiritual jet of the Spirit. Take the wheel, Lord Jesus. Let this be your day, your time, as we worship you in spirit and in truth. It is our prayer, O oh God, that our hearts would be clean before you. Our hearts would be clean. Selfish ambitions would be gone, would not be in this place we would have but one ambition, and that is to worship you and to serve your people. Lord, I ask and pray that your spirit would be so evident in this room that if there's any sickness physically, mentally in this room, that it might be healed just by your mere presence being close to us. Any mental disorders would have to flee because our friend's here. Our friend Jesus is on the scene. Baptize us all, O God, in your presence and in your spirit that we might be guilty of being called the children of the most high God. And the people in the house said, amen and amen. Thank you.